don't have this a YouTube channel for all this stuff. This is the first that I'm Oh, you don't? I don't have a YouTube channel at all. Yeah, it's, a, it's called Short Story Long, right? Yeah. Is there a YouTube channel called Short Story Long? Yeah, with 30,000 followers. With 30,000 followers? Yeah, I thought that was you. Ah, <laughs> <sighs> oh, man. Damn, that's pretty, that's good, pretty dude. cool. Fuck, I gotta change this thing. Ah. Yeah, I saw this stuff. Because, this... like, I made these weird connections, right? Like, you know Corey, and Corey said something about there being, like, there's, like, a re- like a lot of wrestling people are in Florida. And I saw, that I just pulled this thing up, and the first thing I saw was, like, the MMA dude. And I was like, oh, this must be the guy. Ah, that's cool. This is fucking drama this is drama from rob deerdeck's fantasy factory (laughs) damn it i have to change the name of this podcast well everybody that's a great way to introduce the last episode of short story long (laughs) oh i'm here to uh, crush dreams and ruin hopes oh this will be the most hopeful dream crusher ever that's like that's like the story of my life man (laughs) Wow. Well, uh, cue, cue the doom metal. What? What a way to introduce this podcast. Uh, hey, everybody. My name is Lukey B. I'm your host. Um, well, we're gonna have to figure out what I'm gonna have to call this. But on this episode of the <laughs> podcast, sorry. it's okay, dude. If that, like that is such a good way to break the ice and to loosen me up is to know that this is gonna be. <laughs> the last episode that i do of this specific podcast and thank god because that podcast you know what it already has somebody that's established i don't need the name short story long i can figure something else out whatever it's not a big deal yeah well hey Uh, i know a brandon guy if it comes down to it (laughs) (laughs) my people will talk to your people how about that (laughs) yeah right totally yeah speaking of which these are new that was pretty exciting about that your sammy good times five panel hat (laughs) yeah 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 that's nice man well let me get to introducing you my guest on the podcast today he is a twitch live streaming gamer specifically for iRacing am I correct with that yeah I do some other stuff too but that's definitely the main gig for sure the main gig he is a graphic designer by trade but on the podcast today Sam Bridges aka Sammy Goodtime Sammy welcome to the podcast man so good to be here, man. Thanks for having me. I've been looking forward to this. I know. It, it's just, it. I I think that we just haven't been on the same brain length or vibration or frequency or whatever you want to call it in your woo-woo terms that you come up with. But we're here now. That's all that matters. We're here to celebrate yeah. this moment in time and be able to share each other's company and also to get to know you a little bit better. You have quite the story Um from just what we were talking about before, you have this thing that happened to you that kind of changed the course of your life. So before we get into what happened to you, what were you doing before? 
Yeah, well, I mean, so I wouldn't say that the direction of my life my life changed so drastically as like perspective wise. I mean, I was I was working probably harder than I should uh, running my design studio. I do contract design and art direct graphic design and art direction work specific for identity systems, things like that. You could get into that as much as you want to, but the short story is that I almost made a short story long reference just to twist that in a little further. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I do contract design work for ad agencies and um, I was probably not taking care of myself as well as I should. You know, I was working, I would work crazy hours for as long as I could until I like was on the verge of kind of throwing my hands up and like, I was like desperate for a break and then I would work insane amounts of time until I basically did it again. You know, I had this, I was in this habit of just like, cause like, because I've been doing contract work for the majority of my professional career. I mean, I, I was, I've had a staff job since I started working for two and a half years out of like 10 now. So, I mean, I've been an independent contractor for the rest of that time. And my rhythm has never been normal. I mean, like I, I kind of never got out of like college, uh, like routine. Like I, I work until 4 a.m. Well, I sort of made a point of not doing this now, but I would work until 4 a.m. regularly. But then I wouldn't really start work again the next day until, you know, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, depending on what I needed to do. And then I would just work until I was, it, it was unhealthy. You know, I mean, I was just, I didn't have any kind of parameters to, to any healthy sort of guidelines to follow. Even though I would try, I just didn't manage myself as well as I should. So then there was this accident and I get hurt. And one of the big things I decided to do was to take more time for myself. You know, I literally, I do all the like, all the kinds of like things you might expect. I spend more time reading and writing. You know, I, right. I, and I try to be as mindful as possible. I don't have like a straight up like meditative practice, but like, I don't know. I did. I like read some Thich Nhat Hanh and mindfulness kind of has a big uh, theme in my life. And it's funny, too, because I remember reading that when I was like 14 and didn't really get it. I read it again at like like after, you know, being lucky to be alive from what happened. And that's what I was doing before. You know, I don't want to get into just want to like I'll stop there so that you can get back to your line of thought. But well, I mean, I think that this that's important. It's a big portion of the story though for you is that it in just getting to know a little bit more about you and getting to know more of your story I think that it's important for people to understand is that especially from the example that you gave is that I think that a lot of people let work run their life and then instead of the other way around where they're actually running their work you fall into a trap and i might be misinterpreting it, but in my own life, I sometimes fall into this trap where I believe that I'm running my work, but then I spend all of my time doing it. And then I never have time for myself to take a break and to step back and reassess to maybe understand where my energy level is, to understand where my state of mind is. And then I just end up running on just like this high RPM mentally and then it's not good for me physically. And then I get into these weird sleep cycles where I'm working until 10 o'clock at night. I wake up at five o'clock in the morning and then I start the whole cycle over again. And I, ha yeah, yeah, you know, and you're eating like shit. You're not eating properly. You're 
the mental, like your, uh, your mental diet where you're watching YouTube videos, it's all filler right, and empty right. calories that you would put into your brain. It's all just, just blah. It's not actual content. It's not actually like stuff that yeah, yeah. you should trash really in, trash out. You know? There's some good stuff on YouTube, but oh, you can go down that can, rabbit hole. And, and that's, especially when you're in that cycle and in your, you're in those patterns, you you, it's hard for you to recognize it when you're in the fire, right? Yeah. That's just my personal experience. But you were in this rhythm of life. You were in this flow where you were being consumed by all this stuff. But you have this love for something outside of it in terms of BMXing, just riding bikes in general. You were telling me about that before we got on the air. Uh, yeah, that, totally. That's Always just something have. that you've always incorporated in your life. Can you go a little bit deeper onto that? Sure, totally. I mean, I've been on I've been on a bike as long as I can remember. I mean, um my like my earliest memories of riding was on this like little four, like 16-inch BMX bike and I was already like jumping stuff then and kind of got into racing mountain bikes when I was still a kid, like 11, 12, 13 and got pretty serious about that. And then uh discovered bmx and got really really into that but not like the racing part of it it's uh a total kind of a completely different world it's like skateboarding on a bike you know street bmx if you're familiar with that kind of stuff like i wasn't interested in in doing anything other than like going on any tour that i could when i was you know like high school age whatever we would do you know it's like can i get to a contest can i get can i be a part of this road trip and who's filming and are we going to be able to do some video parts or can I learn these tricks? And there was some, you know, there was, there were some pretty intense moments doing all that. There a couple of things that if they had gone wrong, I probably would have gotten hurt <laughs> pretty badly doing that too, but I got lucky and, uh, well, you had a couple of close calls, but nothing too bad, uh, riding BMX. And then, you know, I got back into mountain biking again later on and, uh, and road ra- like riding road bikes too so it's kind of like at this point in my life uh i love it all uh, i definitely still have bmx uh around like i'll still go i still like i've got a 22 inch snm i'll go like hop curbs on and uh started trying to learn some flatland stuff which i never did when i was younger at flatland is like break dancing on a bike right it's I like mean, Ro- it's, it's, it's it's rodney mullen on a bike essentially you got it Yep, yep, you got it. And I never did that growing up, but now I'm like, especially after getting hurt, you know, like I'm really not interested in in uh, throwing myself downstairs anymore. I did plenty of that. You know, a couple of 20-stair handrails and <laughs> takes a certain personality to want to do that too many times. Well, especially the older that you get, the more that you realize that, that uh, when you can't cash that check, that is... That's a real, that's a real hard, uh, that's a real hard fall. How old are you right now? Yeah. I mean, I'm in my thirties and so it's like, you know, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to get hurt doing that now. Like I, I definitely still, I try to stay within my limits, but I still ride, you know, there's a skate park around the corner from my house and I'll go like pump this like 10 foot concrete bowl and it's a great time, but I'm not like. You know, I'm not, I'm not trying to like learn new tricks It it's just, uh, yeah, I don't know. You know, you kind of find your pace and you stick with it, but definitely getting hurt changed my approach to that a little bit. 
Especially since I'm like I'm like not physically capable of doing certain things anymore. Right. And so we keep we keep dancing around this thing that we refer to as your accident, but you, yeah. Yeah. So why don't we dive right into that since we sure. keep going around it? So we talk about your love of bikes and we talk about you always wanting to be on a bike and you have multiple different setups. You've done multiple different types of riding in terms of, you know, BMX, you did trail, you have a city bike. You were telling me before that you set up a pretty specific city bike with, with certain types of lights that were powered by the bike itself. If I can remember correctly. Um, Yeah. Yeah. You got it. Yeah. uh, Just a, you uh you were telling me about the the accident how you got hit by a car while you were riding on a bike yeah yeah so um i've got i've got everything from like a downhill bike to the bmx bikes are still around the city bike is one of them the road you know there's there's a road bike for if i want to do a long ride but if i'm just going to the grocery store or something then my primary concern is comfort and safety i look at it the same way i would a car honestly you know it's throw on a big bag for whatever i need strap on a helmet and, you know, go to the grocery store or whatever. So I was riding home from the grocery store uh, one day. It was early evening. Uh, this was in February of last year. So it's been like a year and a half. Uh, early evening, it was still, it wasn't, it was like beginning. Be- it wasn't sunset yet, like not broad daylight, just the be- the earliest part of dusk, you could say, but not dark by any means. Regardless, I've got every light on this bike on, you know, the, the lights on this bike are as bright as a car's lights. It's, that's the whole point was safety first with all this. And then I put some blinkers around too, just to be extra safe. And it had rained earlier in the day. Um, but the streets were pretty much dry at this point, but still just cause I had it with me. I was wearing this, like this bright, this blaze orange, like, uh, it's, they call it a cycling cloak. It's not a jacket. It's like a tent that just goes over your shoulders and hooks over your fingers so that you have this like sort of tint that you're riding under on the bike just to stay dry without having it all clammed up against you, right? So this thing's blaze orange. It's got reflective striping at like down the length of it in four different corners. And I'm covered in lights. And uh, turns out none of it mattered because a distracted driver, um, somebody on their phone, hit me from behind speeding going about 50 miles an hour and didn't touch their brakes. I didn't have any warning. Um, my first sensation was like, not pain, but just like, that's weird. Why am I going so fast? And then I was kind of out of it for a little bit after that. But, uh, that was, that was how it happened. And, um, yeah, I mean, I could go into more detail about what happened from that, but that's what happened. Yeah. God, man. Um, just got a little bit of follow up on that one. I've already told you how sorry i am before but i mean it that's not i think that i would be uh negligent to say that i've never texted and driven um and i've done it man like everybody it's uh, it's rare like you know i would have a hard time believing like i've i've had my phone in my hand while i'm driving too like i would love to say that i wasn't i wasn't negligent but you know uh I'm not going to try and judge the driver, but that's what was happening when they were doing it. And I definitely have a stronger, if you had asked me before, I would have said, yeah, don't do it. But I mean, obviously I have a pretty solid position on it now, <laughs> but 
I don't know. I don't know if like my stance on it changed before and after. It's just now that I have this like very realistic connection to the consequences of it. So, I mean, I'm lucky to be alive. No. It could have been much. It wasn't. It certainly was. It was bad, but it could have been much worse. Yeah, you could be dead, and you know, and then just very easily. Yeah, there are a number of things 100%. that could have killed me. Yeah, and just thinking. I mean, the cool way to say it is that I broke a car with my ass. I mean, it was like, <laughs> like. <laughs> That's a hell of a way That's to look cool at it. That's the cool way to say it, because like you know, yeah, the first no question kidding. that everybody has, right? When something like this happens, they're like the first question of people are like, "Well, are you okay?" You know, and it's like, well. Mostly, yeah, like not completely. Like I'm not, I'm not whole in the way that I was before, but I can still walk and all that. We'll, we'll get into that. But the second question that people always ask is, well, did the driver stop? You know, it's like somebody hit you. And, well, did the driver stop? And like, they didn't have a, they didn't have a choice in the matter. That car was right. destroyed. Like I'm not a small man, and I, just, I did not think that I could do that much damage to a midsize car. So like there were parts hanging out of it, like you know, really? like apparent apparently my body hit the passenger seat, the hood was folded in a little bit. Wow! It was I mean like the the roof line had, had been crushed some. That like mo like the front of it looked like somebody hit either another car or like I don't know, or like a deer, a yeti. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was like I mean I'm like I'm a big dude, but I saw the car, I was like, damn, okay. So. <laughs> My my thinking, the first thing that I think of after you tell me that story, because you're telling me that you got hit by this car, is how far did you, how, like, you had to have been thrown, like, a couple hundred feet. Jesus. Oh, my God. That just makes my skin crawl. Cause you me, too. Yeah, it's still, like, I, like, like, I don't know. I mean, I, if I think about it, too, like, I'll recount the experience for sure, but. It's, it's, it's eerie. It, you know, it gives yeah. me the creepy crawlies. It's an icky thing. To, I mean, they found my shoes in a school parking lot across the street and up a hill. God. Like it, like it blew my shoes. So like, okay. So I'm at, like, if you get hit by a car without warning from behind on a bike, the bike just got destroyed out from underneath me as the car made contact. Right. So the first, like, so the first thing that it probably touched was the back of my knees before it and and the injury profile kind of lines up with that because the back I had to like go back to the hospital a couple of times to make sure that I didn't have vascular damage in the back of my knee that could have killed me like my right leg was like black and swollen my left leg was pretty bad too but it was like they I almost had to get rushed into surgery a couple of times after this but that wasn't even close to the worst of it that was just from the first impact what would have hit after that was kind of directly into well my ass Basically, you know, my like my pelvis is what absorbed most of the impact, and it threw me. What? So there were a couple people that saw it. They said that they said that I flipped through the air two and a half times. I mostly went up, but I also covered some distance, and I slid for a while. Uh, I've got like I've got scars on the tops of my feet because like my shoe my shoes got blown off, you know. Right. So uh, and I was kind of out of it, but like, like I don't know if you're I don't know if you're a gamer or any of your listeners are gamers, but it's like the sensation of 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 this happening to me, like when I think back of it, the best way to describe it would be like um, when a game glitches out and the physics just go wrong and you're just like, like just fly across, you know, like it's just suddenly you're flying through the air. It wasn't right. sudden pain or anything like that. It was just, why am I going so fast? And I saw lights go by a couple of times, which I guess was me flipping through the air and seeing either 
I don't I don't think street lights would have been on already, but I saw some kind of light that just kind of went past a couple of times, and then a, bi- a, a second big impact, which would have been the ground, and then I think I was kind of out for a little bit. I was conscious when the first people came to came to like check on me because it was right next to a greenway. Like, this is so like where this happened was in. I want to like give a broader picture here. Where this happened was in between a hospital and a, and an elementary school or a middle school actually. There's a high school right next to it. And there's, it's it's like four lanes of traffic. That's one of the main ways to get into the downtown area of where I live. Okay. But there's a greenway and a hospital and some and like a very large network of. It's a big school campus, a middle school and a high school right next to each other. Like kids cross. There's the crosswalks across this thing, with big lights that flash around school hours to let it. Like it's not weird to have like bike traffic, foot traffic. You know, people are like, it's between a hospital and school, you know? So, like, people ask where this happened. People that live in my town are like, oh, people do drive kind of crazy through there. Yeah, but not not during these hours. And it's also not uncommon. The problem is that most people don't ride bikes. So, right. you don't think about the fact that it's normal traffic and everything. So, it's like, it just kills me that people try to blame, like, it's like victim blaming when somebody gets, because they're like, oh, well, you're on a bike, you're asking for it. I'm like, wait, okay, we'll come back to that. But right. so that's the broader picture, right? So there's a greenway right next to me where all this happens. And there are, like, groups of kids that will cross the crosswalk to go run on the greenway for PE class, you know. This is not the kind of, like, you just, you'd think people would be paying attention to an area like this. But these things can happen anywhere, I guess. So someone just, I got, got lucky, a, a registered nurse that wasn't working at the time, just out for a run, that was on the greenway right next to me as this happened. So the first person to talk to me after this happened was a was a registered nurse, and she stabilized my neck, and uh, I was like responsive when she was trying to talk to me, but I couldn't breathe, and I didn't know why. Uh, I kind of came to and like I was mostly face down, but my head was kind of up against the curb, like I had sort of slid for a while. Luckily, the pack that I had on had take like I don't actually have a lot of damage from the slide. Most of it was from the bag that I was wearing you could like it's it's scary to see like how far I must have slid for this bag to look like this because it ground through like a like you know are you familiar with chrome the brand these chrome bags it's like a super heavy duty uh no but is it but material give me a yeah, look. it's a messenger so, bag like a super heavy okay. duty messenger bag to grind through that would take some really serious work and it was ground completely through Ooh. So, and I had, so luckily, like what hurt me the most was just the car in the ground. Like I didn't, I didn't slide and remove most of the flesh from my body after, you know, sliding from, from 50 miles an hour across the ground. There's just a couple of scars on the tops of my feet where I sort of flopped over at some point, I guess. And I came to rest up against the curb. My head was kind of at a funny angle, but I knew, I knew pretty quickly that I could move because like my first concern was like, am I dying? You know, I'm like, okay, I guess I just got hit by a car. You're kind of piecing this all together. Someone's already running up and saying, don't move. Logically, that makes sense, but I couldn't help but try to, like, push myself over because it was just it was just a really, you know, my neck was twisted and I couldn't breathe. Right. Right. So I'm trying to push myself over, and she's telling me not to move, but I did anyway. I was, like, I could move my arms enough to try and, because I, was I wasn't on my side and I wasn't on my chest. I was just up against the curb and was just trying to figure out how to breathe. I didn't know if I was dying or what. I'm like, fuck it. If I'm dying, I'm going to roll myself over. So I do, and the first thing that happens is because kind of on my right side facing down, right? So I, I try to flop myself over onto my back, 
And I, as I do that, what happens is my left hip opens up and touches the ground way sooner than it should. And what I came to find out later on is my pelvis was broken in three places. As I, as I pulled myself over, I was like, I can still feel my legs. So it's like, I, that's good. You know, I'm not paralyzed, but I don't know if I have like internal injuries or what, everything hurt, you know, but luckily my neck wasn't broken. My head was mostly okay. My helmet was completely destroyed. Like every bit of every bit of like energy absorption that a helmet could do, it did. It was twisted around my head, broken in several pieces, still kind of held together by the straps, and was twisted completely around backwards, and the strap of the helmet was choking me. That's why I couldn't breathe. So I sort of like I'm having to like this lady's trying to stabilize my head and I'm like reaching up to touch my neck and like just sort of instinctually I didn't know this was happening yet but like instinctually I could feel how tight it was on my neck and I unclipped it and I could breathe again so it's like okay I can move I can breathe this obviously is really bad like I remember the first the first words I actually said were my pelvis is broken like I could feel that that was like it was like I was surprised that I, I had in, you know the wherewithal to even be able to describe it that way but people were already stopping traffic and there was an ambulance there. It my it seemed like seconds. I probably because I was out for a little bit, I guess. But it, there was. I mean, I'm right next to a hospital too, right? So like, it was. A, you know, it, like as bad as it was, there were a lot of things that were. You, if it's gonna happen, you couldn't ask for it to go better than this. Like I could have snapped my neck. There could have been any number of things. I would already be dead. Right. But like my, I didn't have. I didn't have any structural spinal damage. I have a little bit of nerve damage from this and it looks like somebody tried to remove one of my kidneys with a hacksaw because of the scars on my back from i guess it was the windshield but God. and i'm like i'm lumpy you know like i'm 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 i have to do physical therapy every day because things aren't quite right you know but um yeah you know like i made as good of a recovery as you possibly could um it was definitely the the ride in the ambulance was weird because like i didn't know dude i was like i, I could be bleeding internally and i'm gonna be out in 90 seconds and that'll be it that i have no idea like they're like i went to an i went to an emergency room and they were prepping me for surgery right so it was like oh okay this is what we're doing you know i still have i still have the john doe bracelet because you know it's one of those things where like they roll you into a hospital room and they're like we yeah. don't care who you are we're gonna busy ourselves trying to save your life first right they'll figure out the particulars later yeah 100 yeah. i mean yeah. it was it was as much of a rush situation as anything. I, I got lucky for sure, but yeah, they, they you know you get rolled in, and your the chart says car accident, and your clothes are already cut off of you, right? And your and the bed that they roll you in on is covered in blood. They just assume that, as they should, you know. It's, I'm not questioning right. any of this. I'm just like I, I'm still kind of blown away that I wasn't hurt worse. It wasn't good. It certainly wasn't good, but I it could have been so 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 much worse. You got. I mean, it, it, as bad as lucky, you got very lucky, especially for where you were in in and 50 I, miles an hour, man. Yeah, like I should, like like you should be dead. I'm not trying to beat around the bush with that. Dude, That's no, 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 crazy so, to me that your so, helmet like, that you're like that you, you were you were super prepared, though. Like you went out of like being that, you know, how busy of an intersection, like busy of a street that was. Obviously, people are going to. Oh, and to be clear, you. there were like three. I saw three cars on the road. Like it wasn't like I was dodging traffic the whole time, but you this had a road bike. A high... Yeah, 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 yeah. A, a commuter allowed. bike covered in lights. It's, yeah. I mean, it's as traffic worthy as anything could be. I went out of my way to make it as safe as possible. Followed every law you can, you know. But it's, 
you know, it, it happens in cars all the times. You know, your airbags go off, but on a bike, you're just there's not as much protection. Right. Um, and I think the solution there is to design our cities and make laws that allow for cyclists more, not try and tell cyclists they shouldn't be on the road, which unfortunately is what a lot of people do. It sucks because I, I'm in St. Petersburg, Florida, and you really okay. couldn't you couldn't get a more bike friendly city. We have oh, that's awesome. It's yeah. amazing. Like uh, we have. Every, like down Central Avenue in the downtown area, there is uh, at any, every intersection there is just like paintings uh, or just like signals or I or signs on the road that say that this is bike friendly. There is off of both First Avenue set or sorry First Street South and First Street North, there are bike lanes that are designated for it on MLK, which is one of the main ways that you can get from the north part of the city to the south part of the city yep there is a designated bike lane for them that is completely unobstructed by traffic um it is just because must be a common feature too because mlk is similar in the i'm in greensboro north carolina okay maybe three hundred thousand people i think it's a little less now it's like it's like 270 280 hundred thousand people something like that and MLK in my city also has bike lanes in both places. Like, I'll give a shout out to the city. Like, they, they've they've tried. I mean, there's there are bike lanes, there are greenways you can get around. But the problem that I think the city can't fix is just culturally. Like, there are there are too many drivers in this city that like I've had people just yell at me to get off the road. Like, get on the sidewalk. Okay, first off, bikes aren't allowed on sidewalks. Yeah, you get a ticket. It's like that's not yeah. how it works. Yeah, it's not safe for a bike to be on the sidewalk because people <laughs> no, are walking. Not. Yeah, it's not. It's not just you know. It's because we live in a culture, and I think this is just general. Like I think that outside of major metropolitan areas, such as like New York City or even Seattle, Los Angeles, where there is a there is an actual bike culture, right? Um, we don't consider that as a viable way for people to get around and yeah, i find that so much crazy city to city, totally yeah i find that crazy yeah. because if you go to well, a, i mean the u.s we've always fetishized cars you know it's like that's like part of the american identity it's a part of the american dream man you want a white pickup fence you want a two-story house with a yard and a lawn you want to be able to go and ride in your sedan whichever one you choose and you know enjoy your family and whatever but it's not if you go over, if you go overseas, if you go over to Amsterdam, that's not even an option. Like biking is the main oh, yeah, it's like mode of transportation. Of the population gets around yeah. by bike in Amsterdam. Yeah, and I, I just want to be clear. Like I'm not anti-car by any means. I actually love cars. I have a track car sitting in my driveway. You know, I mean, it's about as cheap as a track car. It's a Fiesta ST that I put, you know, track tires on. Like it's not. But I've passed 911s on track in it. Like I, I love, like I like driving. Yeah. But and, and you also do i racing. If... <laughs> you do these yeah, endurance i races. Like I hate cars. It's not <laughs> like I hate cars. Yeah, I, I, I'm a pretend race car driver for funsies. Like it's not like I don't like I love cars, but maybe maybe don't hit people just because they're not in a car. Gosh, you know, maybe man. look out for the other guy a little bit. You know. So, what was the? I mean, obviously we we're not going to get into certain particulars about the situation, but. In terms of your recovery, obviously, I've gone through a traumatic incident where it's affected the way that I interact with dogs. You have. Because I got bit 
yeah, I got bit on the face by a dog. You couldn't tell, but I had reconstructive surgery on my face. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. No, I would never know. You're right. You would never know. Like my nose was like completely open, and I'll get into that on another podcast. But yeah, it's just that's like super traumatic for sure. Very traumatic. Were you a and kid it was, when it happened? Huh? No, I was. It was like three years ago. Whoa. Yeah, man, you cannot tell. I I'm gonna. So you see where I have oh, like I can see a little right bit now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, on a webcam, it's kind of hard to see. Oh, I'm, making little... a, this is, I'm making a podcast mistake. I just I just took a bite of a cookie. I don't Let's care. just pause for a second because it's going to be like me chewing. Back to you and your recovery. So, obviously, yeah, uh, having a traumatic experience, you know, I can imagine getting on a bike, especially if it's something that you've loved to do your whole life. That can be hard, especially when you physically can't do it. And going through rehab and even you said before you are even now still going through physical therapy tell us a little bit about that journey yeah well um so i was lucky that um the emergency orthopedist that um reviewed my condition uh made a decision to stop uh, stop the emergency crew from putting me directly in surgery um, because he wanted to see what my the main injury was my pelvis there's a bunch of other stuff too there's a there's a pretty gaping wound on my back but I wasn't like the pelvis was the main thing I can get into the other stuff too but it, it wasn't like it was just the one thing it was like a whole body condition but the pelvis was the most urgent problem because when you have multiple breaks in your like my pelvis was in more than one piece there was nothing it was being held together but along the along the cause my pelvic ring on the right side was broken on the top and the bottom and um the tissue that holds your pelvis together at the front was torn okay so there was a, the front chunk of my pelvis was not really held in place anywhere the tissue wasn't completely torn and one of the breaks in my pelvis wasn't complete. Okay. So he wanted to see what second x-rays would look like in about 12 hours. So they basically just drugged me up, and I, and I just stayed in an emergency room for 12 hours for them to do x-rays again. And when they did x-rays in 12 hours, um, it showed that my pelvis had, it had settled and like was pulling itself in the right direction already. So he like sat down with me, consulted with me on the options. He's like, if you were older, I would say definitely do surgery, but you're obviously fit enough to have not been hurt worse than you are. Like early, I wanted to say this actually, it's a little bit of an aside, but earlier when you're like, you're lucky to be alive, every emergency room worker that came in and out of my, like any situation I was in said the exact same thing, like over and over and over again, right? So, and he was saying the same things too. He's like, this, you're obviously fit enough to be able to absorb something like this. I would like to give it another, another 12 hours. And if things are still looking good, here's what I would present to you as two options. Definitely surgery is on the table. It might, if it, it, it could have almost already happened anyway. If it's going to happen, we're going to do it soon. But you're not out. That's not, we're not removing that as an option yet. But if it still looks good in 12 hours and you're willing to commit to bed rest, because it's not like you're going to be walking anywhere with surgery anyway, this isn't going to change anything. 
I would be willing to refer you to a physical therapist to pay attention to how things are going and just limit your mobility and let your pelvis heal on its own and you work towards recovery without doing surgery. And I was like, okay, you're telling me that you could, I've already been opened up by a car. You're saying I could avoid being opened up again. He's like, yeah, possibly. Um, so as weird as it sounded to me that uh, that was an option, uh, apparently it's happening more and more often. He explained this to me too, that it's like, you know, it, it's not like, you know how like, like if, a, if a really young kid breaks a bone or something, it kind of pulls itself back into place. We don't, that never, that never completely stops. And a lot of orthopedists apparently are starting to, starting to consider, like, can we avoid surgery at all, if at all possible? Can we avoid it? And every x-ray that I had over the next 36 hours showed that my pelvis was staying in the right spots. Um, I had been moved between beds and I could like, you know, I'm not, it's not, I'm not, I didn't, I didn't walk for almost six months, but I could like, with help, I could get up onto a crutch and like get to the bathroom. You know, I just, I couldn't really use my right leg because I couldn't put any weight on it, but like. It's, it was possible for me to avoid surgery. So what the next several months looked like, um, I spent the next couple of weeks with like catheters and shit. Like so I didn't have to, so I didn't have to move, you know, cause it was like, you're either going to have to have surgery or it is, it is no joke, strict bed rest. Like you do not move. Right. Cause this has to, this, you have like your, the bone has to get enough tissue in place to stay in place so that it will heal. So it was strict bed rest, and uh, you know it's not even, it's not perfect. It there's like I'm probably gonna have to have hip replacements earlier than I would have otherwise because my hips avoid like absorb so much impact. Uh, but my pelvis healed up. It's a little crooked, but I didn't have to have surgery. And um, the physical therapy that I do is mostly just like mobility stuff and kind of some pain management because. Um, it, like it hurts if I stand. It hurts if I sit too long. Any position is kind of weird. You know, I could like I I can't do all the things that I used to do, but like I can play video games for sure. You know, that's that was part of the reason I got back into it. Because while I was recovering, I started watching other people play video games on Twitch. That was like one of the things that I said I wanted. I I, I love. I've always loved video games. It's like it was like like little you know little kids dream right. It's like ride bikes and play video games all the time. Like that's all I want. I'm, I'm a big kid, dude. That's still like, I still love this stuff, right? So I was like, while I'm laying around, it's it's like strict bed rest. I started watching other, other people play games on Twitch. And uh, everything from, you know, Final Fantasy to iRacing. And iRacing, if you're not familiar with it, is uh, an online platform for competitive sim racing. There are, there are competitors... For the sim side of things, like how realistic can it get? But if you want to race against other people, who like other real people who are also trying on track with you at the same time, iRacing is there's not really anybody else doing it the way that iRacing does. It's genuinely difficult. It's not like playing a vi like people even get a little bit out of shape if you call it a game. It's like it's not a game; it's a sim. You know, I personally don't really care. But so like if I'm gonna do this, then this is gonna be the time to do it. And I just thought it would be, I also kind of wanted to try streaming because for, you know, this was also at the beginning of the pandemic. 
So I was, and like, dude, I mean, being a contract designer, it's like tons of people lost jobs, everything, you know, the economy is depressed, but like, dude, what's even easier to cut than a handful of jobs? Any upcoming design work that any company has planned, right? So my work like dried up instantly. And uh, so I had some extra time on my hands anyway. I was like, well, if I'm going to do this, then I'll try streaming, right? So, and I met Corey within like a few weeks because he's a, he's a big sim racer. You know, he loves he loves Formula One. We I love Formula One too. We're both just like race nerds. We've hung out and watched races in Discord together and just chatted away. So I figured if I'm going to do it, then I'll start streaming it, you know? And the community that has, like, that I've helped, that I've sort of plugged into, and now I have, like, my own community around the Twitch channel. Like, I can't believe the level of support and I, I, success that I've had with, I mean, I, you know, I've only been streaming for a few months, and it's it's kind of weird that I, you know, I have 100 people watching me at a time just doing pretend race cars. But that's the internet for you, right? Because the internet... Yeah, I mean, because the point is, like, what I would want to say there is just that... I can't believe the level of support that I've gotten in such a short amount of time because I've plugged into like iRacing on Twitch is a great community. Better like yeah. you know there's some like there's a lot of toxicity on the internet too. Of course, and there's a lot of toxicity within gaming on the internet. Like let's be really like yeah 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 not, like most and games... not trying to not trying to shit on anybody, but like I I've heard like through just playing Call of Duty. Even oh yeah, right. Different types of games where you're just like if you are on your own team if you're getting killed or you're not performing up to a level or if somebody's just significantly better than you you're getting told to eat shit and die oh yeah there's shit all over you yeah in every way possible they'll destroy you in the game and then try and hurt you emotionally at the same time yeah yeah there's tons of it i racing you know like it's not like it doesn't exist there but dude it's it's like night and day versus everything i don't know what it is but it's it's just the generally speaking it's like people help each other they show like they show up to like if you have a question about something, there's usually somebody in chat that knows a thing or two about like certain series you're trying to run or the car. Like people are genuinely helpful. I think it goes down to, and this is just from my own level of experience when it comes to when you're doing hobbies. Like for instance, podcasting. Right. Yep. It's a it. This is a time commitment that I have every week to do at least one podcast. One podcast. We've been on wax for almost an hour. That's going to take me. Oh, that went by quick. Yeah. Yeah. Went by quick. You know, you're a good conversation, Sammy. So I appreciate you coming on. (laughs) Uh, But like, that's going to take me a while for me to edit. And then for me to plan the promotion of it on it on Instagram. And then to figure out how I'm going to be doing that and how we're going to cross promote. Like there's a lot of thoughtfulness into it. The more resources that you have, and from just going over to Corey's house and seeing the rig that he has, and then also oh, dude, knowing his, his setup, his setup sick, it's yeah. sick. Uh, but knowing how much goes into it in terms of resources, in terms of time, I think that once you put that into play, I think that everybody understands there's a common ground amongst everybody that if you don't put the work in or if you don't have the things to do that do this probably are going to weed yourself out you you get what i'm saying is that like when you get to it's, a certain it's a level little of more amount... of a commitment than something like first person shooters that you could just like yeah. download and kind of like 
like don't get me wrong you don't need to have super high level equipment to be able to do it you can like some of the fastest people out there race without force feedback and force feedback is like you have you literally have a motor that drives the wheel when i say drives i mean like it, it's simulating the input that you would feel from an actual car right? right and it takes a motor to do that but some of the fastest people in sim racing don't use it because they have a completely different technique for it. it's not like you can't be quick anyway without having high-end equipment you know for a couple hundred bucks you get like a used logitech g29 or something and you can be sim racing it like obviously a couple hundred bucks is more than buying a mouse or whatever but like you can like i racing is not the heaviest lift of, of a game you know you can play it on most no. pcs and you you know you could get involved for sure like i like i think the the level of feedback that you get from the higher end equipment is cool but you don't have to have that you know but you're right the flip side of that is that it is definitely more of a commitment and it's something that's involved enough that it does weed people out that whether it's the the, the equipment i'm sure is part of it but maybe more so is just that it takes a certain personality to put in the work to to because even to like get a race car in, in real life and it's also true in i racing to get a race car around a track to do a lap in a race car is it's it's not it's not easy it's, it's not and like, also especially in i racing because i i did it at Corey's house and man it's an it, it i wouldn't say that it's i mean it's super realistic i mean especially if you're talking about from the way that everything can is controlled i understand that Corey has a completely different rig than a lot of people but it's Especially with oh, he racing. races in VR, you mean? He does race in VR, but yeah, but the setup the same, is the same. Otherwise, that's just a display thing. Yeah, it um, like when you were talking before about how people were like, "No, it's not a game; it's a sim." I can really, I can understand it from the time that I did it at his house because, yep. because you, if you don't treat it as if you are in a race car, it's going. I don't want to say it's like you have to respect it in order for you to perform at the level that you want. But if you don't I take it seriously, true, but if you don't take yeah. it seriously, you're going to crash. And when you crash, it's very realistic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Especially in VR. God. Dude. Yeah. Cause like, I like that's part. I of got sick. I got super sick. I got Did you? very dizzy. I got very dizzy and thought I was going to throw up. Yeah. That's like, I think, I think it's like a third of people, like even like real, like, like, Real race drivers, the first time they do VR, they're like, I think, honestly, I think it might actually be worse because I didn't, I didn't like get sick enough that I had to stop, but I definitely felt a little woozy for a couple of corners. Like you're kind of either, either you get sick or you don't. I was one of the rare people that like, I felt a little sick and got over it pretty quickly. But like, I think that, I think that having experience, like I know what it feels like to take it, to take a corner in real life at 140 miles an hour. And when when you don't have any G force pushing back against you, but everything else is simulated as realistically as possibly can, you actually wind up doing because like say you're taking a left hand turn in a real race car, you have an enormous force that pushes oh, you yeah. towards the right side of the car, right? And when you're in some when you're in the sim, especially in VR, it's realistic enough that you fully expect to feel the sensation. And when it doesn't happen, you kind of brace yourself right for like that for that movement and what you wind up doing is you your your brain your like uh, your inner ear tells you that you're moving 
in the opposite direction because you sort of brace for that motion that doesn't happen. So you wind up pushing yourself the other way. And that Chris, it's like, it's like, it's, it's, you know, you ate like a, you ate the wrong mushrooms or something. You know what I mean? You get this, like, I'm, I'm going to puke right now. My brain is telling me that there is something bad happening and you get that immediate, that immediate sickness. Well, you're giving yourself vertigo. You're essentially giving yourself vertigo because I couldn't even, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine if you like knew what the sensation was about taking a corner because I've never done that. I'm not even going to pretend like I've done that, but I can imagine if you've done that and then you do it in a simulation and you don't have that sensation, how that would mess your brain up. Be like, wait a minute. Oh, it's wild. Yeah, dude. Yeah. (laughs) And once, uh, once we get this pandemic under control enough that we can do like some track days again, normally all you need is a helmet, man. You could be in the passenger seat anytime. There's a couple of tracks in Florida that I would love to drive. One of my favorites in Atlanta little road trip buddy let's get it all done yeah uh, give you a couple of motor speedway uh so my favorite is a place called atlanta motorsports park it's a small okay. track i think probably part of the reason i like is that it suits my little track car uh but it was designed by herman tilke if i'm saying his name right famous uh formula one track designer okay. so despite the fact that it's a small track it's an enormous technical challenge and the first time that i drove it i drove it in the rain so it was that that makes it even more difficult. And I was one of the only people that would actually go out and do this drive. And it was so much fun. Like I that's my it's it's probably my favorite track. And it's a small club track. That's only seven hours for me. I'll take you up on that. Sammy, where can we find you on social media and the world abroad? So you're on Twitch at Sammy TV, correct? Uh, yeah, so SammyGoodTimes.tv would take you to uh, my little corner of the internet. On Twitch, it's just twitch.tv slash SammyGoodTimes. Yeah, and you, it would sort of take you to both places, but SammyGoodTimes.tv is just like a link to the channel itself, and then there's like some merch and stuff there. Like if you wanted to like leave a tip for the channel, mm-hmm. which no one ever has to do, that you would do it there. And I, and I I want to put that out there too because that's I think any responsible streamer, especially since so many people are struggling with stuff now, like it is not the time to be begging for money on the internet. And donations are a great way to support the channel if you can afford it. But no, like you are always welcome, even if you never donate or never subscribe, and that is true for everyone all the time, right? So like that's where you would go if you wanted to buy merch or make a donation. I like to call them tips because it's like I'm not a charity, you know. I'm I'm you know I'm entertaining you right like i think a tip is probably a better word but it's kind of already established nomenclature people call it a donation but anyway that's where you do it but on twitch yeah it's just sammy good time like if you just google sammy good times i'm the first thing that shows up so it's like it's not hard to find perfect man yeah and there is like there's an instagram and a twitter for the channel but it's really just like go live notifications i don't like um twitch is the main thing man like one of the things that I like about streaming is that because I consider Twitch to be its own form of social media, but it's nice because it definitely is, right? You know, you're chatting, you're live, you're streaming, all of this. It's like Facebook's trying to do what Twitch has been doing for years, and they're really good at it, and it's fun. But the nice thing about Twitch is that you you you, you can't. It's harder to make yourself something other than what you are. Right. When you're you're doing it live, you know, you can't backspace your way out of being a no shithead. You know, like if you're a good person. Very transparent. 
Yeah, you know, like I've made mistakes on the air that I'm like, I, everybody does it. You're human, right? But it's it's like I don't know how to pronounce somebody's name and I get embarrassed about it and like stumble all over myself for a minute or something. You know what I mean? Like whatever it might be, you know. But it's like there's also these amazing moments, like especially because iRacing is such a weird little corner of the internet because there's like I think there's something like 180,000 registered users on iRacing. It's like a wow. small city, right? That's but like cool. that small city is spread out all over the planet. It's like I wind up hanging out. Like I've learned Finnish, like not fluently, but like a little bit, a little bit of the, like I can, huomenta, you know, I can, I can just say, you know, and the rest, like a lot of the rest of it is horrible profanity. So if you're Finnish, I'm sorry, but perkele is fun to say. <laughs> and I only learned that because of iRacers on Twitch, right? Like it, you wind up comment because like some Finnish streamer, like, would raid my channel one time, and I'll hang out in theirs. And now we have this like weird community where we're all teaching each other Finnish. You know, there's 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 French, there's a Swiss guy, there's a, there's like uh, all all over Australia and Southeast Asia, both Americas, all over Europe. But it's all happening in this like it feels like a small town, right? You know, and so you make all of these wild connections with people and. It's kind of the perfect scale to do that, and I've, it's things like that that I feel like makes Twitch a much healthier version of the internet, which is funny because I think that a lot of people don't have that experience. Like, Twitch has matured before I showed up. It's not done maturing, but a lot of that toxicity that people associate with gaming and internet culture, it, it, it's not done. It's still there, but Twitch has addressed it in ways right. that it wouldn't have five years ago. And they were already working on that before I showed up. And now that I'm here, there's tools in place. Like people that show up in my channel have offered to be mods and they help out regularly. Just like if somebody, I've only had to do it once so far where I had to like delete something that people said and ask them, like I had to like, I had to kick somebody out for a while because they kept saying fucked up stuff. Right. It's only happened once. You know, it's like generally a very healthy place, but it's like I'm on Twitter I, I wish I could unsee half the comments on, on somebody else's post. You know what I mean? It's a black and, hole, man. I mean, I've, I've, my experience with Twitch is that I'm a huge festival goer like that. I have another podcast that's completely separate than this one. That's all based off of, uh, just interviews with people within the EDM community. Oh, mostly cool. Artists like uh, upcoming artists. Oh, dude, and, you probably like my channel. Then listen to a lot of weird experimental, experimental music in the background. Uh, I absolutely love anything that's like future funk, like Grizz, Manic Focus, um, Pretty Lights. Dude, you and, might have to send me a playlist. I like where you're going with oh, this. I'd love dude, to hear what I'm, you're into. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna send you a mix right after this of a guy that's gonna be on my podcast that I already did. It, his name's Pfeiffer, um, and he he wails on the guitar over just like these really funky, weird dubstep tracks and it's amazing but i i have found twitch to be my main source of it has filled a hole where concerts have left totally during this yeah, pandemic yeah. yeah yeah and yeah. it is super user-friendly you can donate to people like i i don't know the vernacular or anything like that but twitch has been a great resource for me especially during this pandemic but sammy i'm Likewise, not trying to cut you off yep we got to wrap this up. This has been an hour and 10 minutes. This has been an amazing podcast. My name's Lukey B. This has been the last episode of Short Story Long. Actually, I'm going to continue to use that. 
until they gave me a cease and desist order. That's my goal. They may not. Get... I don't think they've published any videos in a while. In That's part of the reason months. I thought you were the same guy. Because uh, I, w- I, I was like, yeah. oh, well, maybe he's not hosting the... I, th- I thought you had this, like, studio show, and you went to the podcast because, like, seeing people in person isn't really very realistic right now, so... Right. I figured that was the whole situation. Yeah. I wish. Like, well, the same it's thing you're saying eventually. with the... The same thing you're saying with concerts. It's, I mean, obviously it's the same with racing, you know. So it's like, of course, kind of a weird. It's like there were a bunch of real life drivers that got on Twitch all at the same time, you know. Because like Lando Norris has ten thousand people watching him do i racing for a day or whatever. Corey was telling me that he was real telling me that he's competing against actually. Yeah, that's crazy. But uh, oh yeah, yeah, my buddy got punted by Fernando Alonso because <laughs> <laughs> he got. He got on later than most people did, right? Like to his credit, like he's you know, undeniable, like one of like one of one of the heroes of of you know recent history of Formula One for sure. But he got on iRacing pretty late compared to a lot of other people. Did it just in time to do like some big endurance event, and you have to earn a license to like get. I just punched my mic. You have to earn a license. (laughs) (laughs) You have to earn a license to get up to a point where you can do certain events. And he was working his way through that and was just making the biggest new mistakes. And my buddy like watched him lose it. And he just reversed his car out into the middle of the track into oncoming traffic. And he it's, it's just like there's a, a running joke with it because he's like, that's obviously not the real Fernando Alonso because but... he drives like shit. And we look at it later. <laughs> it actually was the real Fernando Alonso. What a moment, though. What a story. Dude, we'll never live it down. We still call it getting Fernando. Actually, we turned it into Frendendo because we came up with this like parallel storyline about like a like the fake Fernando Alonso, but it really was him. Oh <laughs> it makes it God. that much funnier. I see it all the time. Like I've been in practice with Roman Grosjean, you know, like Rubens Barrichello. Yeah, it's, it's, it's tons of recognizable names that are on iRacing because real racers actually respect iRacing. Whereas, like, if you go play Forza or something. You compare the two, it's like, don't get me wrong, Fours is fun, but it's an an arcade game compared to what iRacing is doing. And there's others too, you know, there's other sims, but if you want to race against real people in a a measured way where it's like actual competition, iRacing is the place to be for sure. I'm going to wrap this up, Sammy. It's been an absolute pleasure. I was just on Short Story Long with Sammy Good Times. My name is Lukey B. Thank you guys for listening. I'll see you guys next week.